0: What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the podcast. Good morning to you all after a weekend that we actually got a fairly big slate of football. Not quite the college football NFL you know, back-to-back that we all love, but it is inching closer and closer, and uh, it's that exciting time of year that we've all been waiting for. Kyle, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks Joe. I am very thirsty still. My my thirst is not quenched for football. I had the little taste of it. It was fairly fun slate of games, a lot of a lot of fun performances, a lot of players that we got to see for the first time in new uniforms and new places and Kirk Cousins looked good for example as a veteran and you know some of these quarterbacks I know that's something we're planning on talking about a little bit today. But that was a fun week. And now I want Mac games on Tuesday, <laughs> and I want Thursday night college games and Thursday night football. You can even do the color rush. I don't care. Just give me as much in a seven-day stretch as I can have right now because that that's what I'm mentally prepared for.
0: Yeah, it's nice to see football plays that we haven't seen before, right? We were talking oh, yeah. about that when we were watching, uh, was it the Minnesota and – who did they play? I cannot remember right now. The Broncos. Broncos the Broncos game, that yeah. wonderful performance from Paxton Lynch, first-round quarterback. Man. Sorry about that, Broncos fans. All right, let's get into some of the breaking news items of the uh, last few days that we find noteworthy. Let's start off with Darius Geis, some bad news here. He's the, a rookie running back that both you and I like quite a bit uh, coming out of college. Uh, I think that was John Ledger's number one running back over – Saquon Barkley couldn't be me, but uh, I love Darius Geis a lot. I thought he had a really big opportunity ahead of him to be the starter in, in Washington and give them a versatile talent and, uh, you know, kind of breaking the mold away from the Samaj J.P. Ryan, Rob Kelly, power, downhill, bumper type guys. And, you know, Chris Thompson's always hurt, but Darius Geis, torn ACL, his rookie season is over, and uh, we'll have to wait until 2019 to see the type of impact that Geis can have, obviously, very, very disappointing news. Yeah, tough break, and uh,
1: you hate to see anybody get injured, of course, but with a player like Geis and what he could have been to that team and what his pre-draft narrative was, that was where I was really rooting for Darius Geis, was the opportunity for him to come out and uh, perform, uh, kind of put to ease some of the mispla- what I thought were misplaced character questions and you know, he really got drugged through the mug there for the last month or so before the actual draft process. And, uh, I mentioned this on my studs and duds column today, but we had some, some members of our staff that were, you know, on sp- speaking in terms of people who were close to guys. And from all accounts that we had, you know, that a lot of this stuff that was out there in the national media was, um, being fed to them and you, you can't blame them for reporting that because that's what they're being told. But, uh, from the accounts that we had been given, those were not accurate uh, assessments of Darius and his character. So that's why I really hurt for Darius looking forward to see him kind of you know, have the opportunity to put the pads on and kind of say, look, this is who I am, kind of have it as a redemption story. You see him, he's signing autographs. He's the last one on the practice field every single day at Washington camp, signing autographs for any and every fan. He did that thing where he bought all those movie tickets and bought those people in the movies with him. He's doing all the right things. Uh, we wish him well. Hope he gets
0: back on the field sooner rather than later. Yeah, and you you could see like uh, when Chris Thompson was talking about it, the tweet that came out, the video of him just kind of getting emotional. You know, he was he was making a big impact, and you can tell, like you said there, he was he was ready to kind of dispel all those narratives and have a big season. And uh, you know, all the best to his recovery. Let's uh, let's talk about something positive here uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Randy Gregory, the uh, the pass rusher there couple years ago first round pick who's missed 30 of the last 32 regular season games on account of substance abuse suspensions from the NFL is on target to play in week one and so uh, you think about this Dallas Cowboys defense and you know I think there's some holes on it but you know anytime that you can get a pass rush situation going it really helps hide holes Especially with a young secondary, some, you know, some guys at linebacker need to step up. The defensive tackle situation is a question mark there. But if you think about, you know, what Taco Charlton can be and what Demarcus Lawrence is and what Randy Gregory can be, this is a trio of pass rushers that's pretty exciting. And so for a D- dallas defense that can use some a boost, right, at a critical area like rushing the passer, you know, if Randy Gregory can come back and be the player that many perceived he could be coming out, that'd be a big boost for the defense.
1: Bless him. Oh, boy. <laughs> bless him. Yeah, it's, uh, guys, get used to hearing bless him on the pod. Between that and uh, Shannon Sharp, I've gotten a lot of new material and really just do it to grind Joe's gears a little bit. And uh, I, if you could see the look on his face right now, he's, he's biting his tongue. So mission accomplished. Uh, yeah, Gregory, I don't want to set my expectations too high. I think that would be easy to do is to assume, you know, explosive pass rusher. He's He has the most dynamic explosiveness of any player that they have on that roster right now, including Demarcus Lawrence. In my opinion, I think Randy Gregory's get off and ability to win with burst when he's right and in playing condition and not rusty from missing almost two full seasons worth of games. There's talent there that can make a really big difference. Uh, so I'm cautiously optimistic for Randy Gregory um you no know, comment kind of treated the same way we treated the Josh Gordon thing where we we want to see him just stay on the football field that's the most important thing if this is something you really love doing you know just take care of yourself you know make sure you know whether it's anxiety or anything else that may have been a catalyst for for those substance abuse issues get, just use the resources that you have keep yourself on the field enjoy the game that you love so as long as Randy is on the field I'll be happy for him in that regard but i am trying to temper my expectations on the field and then let him exceed them from there.
0: Kyle, before we move on to our next segment, we've got some really good stuff on the draftnetwork.com today. We've got a new mock draft from John Ledger. We've got your signature weekly column Studs and Duds. It's a fun one, Sta and da. It was it's good. Da. Kyle, Kyle put a lot of personality into that piece this week. I have a piece on Marcus Davenport and what he needs to do to justify being uh you know being having such a high price tag of two first round picks as as well as a look at the uh, the 2017 defensive back class which is just providing ridiculous return on investment and we've also got what the Big 10 offensive tackle top or uh, top 5s from you so get over to the draftnetwork.com today uh, and every day really but today we just have a what I think is a, an outstanding uh, amount of content on the show for, or on the on the website for you Kyle, shall we get into some of our summer flings? We've only got a couple more position groups left. We've got offensive line and we've got safety, if I'm I'm not mistaken. And so today we're going to tackle the offensive line and talk about a player over the summer that we watch that plays offensive line that we have a little fling, a little something for, a guy that we love. Who do you got, Kyle?
1: Yeah, so this guy really wets my whistle. I'm talking Wisconsin center, Tyler Beatis. Uh, he is a redshirt sophomore, and this kid is an absolute stud. He's first year starter last year, number 61, 6'3, 332 pounds. This ain't a finesse center. This guy is grounded pound, punch in the nose type. Very fitting for working with the Wisconsin Badgers and Jonathan Taylor there and, and his success as a rusher, as a freshman last year. And this is part of the reason why I'm so excited about Wisconsin in general. You got a young back that you know just exploded with production, who is the real deal, having watched pretty much the entire Wisconsin offensive line to do draft assessments this summer. Uh, that offensive line is legit. Uh, Taylor is legit. They got good talent all over the place. But Beatice, uh what really stands out to me is this is another player, much like a Patty Fisher for Northwestern, who was – extremely refined and mentally sharp as a first-year starter as a redshirt freshman. Blew me away. So uh, he is very effective not only in resetting the line of scrimmage and getting defensive linemen moving backwards at the snap, which then in turn allows him to climb the second level pretty effectively or come off of combo blocks. Uh, He can move laterally and torque – shoulders very effectively. So if he's got to work his hips across your face and turn you out, if he's got a long distance block where he's got to kind of really stretch that play on outside concepts, just because he's 322 doesn't mean he's only a straightforward player. He can do those things. And I think he plays with a really, really strong base of support. His feet, they move very well. So Redshirt sophomore center, Tyler Beatis. I think this is the next high-end center prospect in the country. I think he's the best player on Wisconsin's offensive line. Wow. That includes David Edwards. Uh, Bo Benchwall gets a lot of love. Michael Dieter played left tackle. They're moving him back inside the left guard this year. These guys are all draft eligible. Beatis is, in my opinion, the best player on the Wisconsin offensive line. Put a star next to that name because you're going to be seeing a lot of highlights of Jonathan Taylor. And 61 is going to be in front.
0: All right. I, I look forward to looking uh, looking at him. Uh, Kyle, I want to talk about Miami offensive tackle Tyree St. Louis. And look, look I'm going to go and get into this. We debated on if it's St. Louis <laughs> or St. Louis. And uh, so my apologies in advance if I didn't get that correct. But uh, St. Louis is... A good football player. I was working through these ACC offensive linemen uh, over the summer, and, and it's pretty barren. The cupboard's pretty pretty empty when it comes to uh, the top-flight NFL talent. But I really like what I saw from uh, St. Louis. He's uh, a player that's a four-star recruit. He's 6'5", 3'12". And uh, he's been playing right tackle for the last two seasons in Miami. And uh, he just has a very impressive blend of length, size, mobility, and power. And those are really good traits as a foundation for being an NFL prospect at offensive tackle. But uh, what really impresses me is how technical, technically refined he is with his size and mobility. You know, if you watch his tape, you're going to see a guy that has the ability to really get depth and width in his pass sets and frame rushers in space, but then he's also got the power needed to anchor. He can move bodies. He's mobile. And I really like his ability as a mental processor to diagnose those pressure packages, understand where, where, where his, uh, protection requires him to be and adjust and he's got that reactive act, athleticism to slide inside or, or or get out in space and and make a ta- uh, make a block. So, I think he's a pretty complete player. You know, you want he's got a big big task ahead of him this year. He's moving over from right tackle to left tackle and uh you know, that's going to mean he's going to face Cleveland Farrell, he's going to face Brian Burns and you know, the gamut of really good pass rushers in the ACC. So, you know, he's going to have a big opportunity to really elevate himself and ascend as a prospect, the guy that I think you know most people haven't heard of, everyone wants to talk about Mitch Hyatt when it comes to offensive tackles and the ACC, the Clemson product. But that dude needs a lot of work, right? So this guy really pops for me, and now he's got this opportunity at left tackle to really ascend, take the next step, and, and become a coveted prospect. So uh, get eyes on this guy if you're looking for for a potential sleeper at offensive tackle because I think he has a bright future. Joe, I have a question for you. Let's go. What is more soft?
1: The illegal tackle penalties that were called this weekend. Mitch Hyatt's anchor or Kelvin Benjamin's pregame antics against the Carolina Panthers? You
0: know, you, we're just going to talk about Kelvin Benjamin forever, aren't we? After he dominated the Carolina Panthers, four targets, four receptions, a touchdown. The others, all for first downs, dominated on that drive, and we got to keep talking about Kelvin Benjamin. I'm not Benjamin. concerned about his performance on the field. Oh, the answer, by the way, is Mitch Hyatt's anchor. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's got a soft anchor, and he can't fit his hands. So, I, yeah, uh, that you know, Combo. He's the ACC ACC's uh, blocking award, like the best offensive lineman in in the ACC. I, I'm not sure who's voting. I just
1: did the surprised blinking. Yeah, theme, he, you
0: did, way. you did. I I saw it in the flesh here. Uh, but yeah, Mitch Hyatt, man, uh, don't. If you see your team, you know, if you look at a mock draft, you know one of these early mock drafts, and you see your team getting Mitch Hyatt, send send some uh, some hate some to that to that yes. to that writer because it, it, would, it wouldn't be us. I
1: promise you that. Joe, it's time to move on and uh, get through uh, some of the surprise standouts over the course of the past week. This is our weekly uh, segment here on the Monday show. We look for a couple of performances. uh, Could be on the field, could be off the field, that kind of took us by surprise. And uh, I'm going to do the honors here and lead by talking about former Auburn and Jacksonville State running back, Rock Thomas. Rock Thomas uh, currently is playing for the Minnesota Vikings and had 130 plus yards from scrimmage offensively in the first half uh, and a hundred yards receiving with a touchdown against the Denver Broncos in week one of the preseason. Uh, Rock Thomas, I think is going to really push Mac Brown for a spot on the 53 man roster. And uh, by a lot of accounts, This was not like an aberration that kind of came out of nowhere. Rock Thomas reportedly has had himself a pretty nice camp. But then you get to see it in in the flesh and you get to see, you know, he's got a nice little uh, second gear to him. He could put his shoulder down. Definitely not his helmet, though. Don't put your (laughs) helmet down. They'll kick you out for that kind of nonsense these days. And uh, kind of had just this this really nice two-way skill to him that we got to see and Obviously, there's large production with 100 yards receiving in a game, but uh, Rock Thomas really flashed to me when I watched the Vikings in their victory against the Broncos in the first half of that football game. So, I would not be surprised if Rock Thomas, as an undrafted free agent, ends up being a guy that pushes on to the 53-man roster in Minnesota at this point.
0: Does that mean I should take him in the first round of my fantasy? No, (laughs) do not. Should I take fantasy advice from Kyle Kraft? You should never take mm, fantasy advice from me. Very conflicted here. I don't know what to do, but yeah, he was awesome. There's no other way to say it based on his performance. Kyle, I want to talk about another player that popped for me in a preseason game that I watched, and that's Curtis Samuel, the wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. Such an interesting player going back to his days at Ohio State where – He made such an impact as a space player, both as a pass catcher and a runner, but never really thought he had a very complete skill set in either area. So I kind of thought he was going to be a space player in the NFL and a guy that, you know, was going to be used I hate to say the word as a gadget player, but a guy that you kind of have to manufacture touches for just because I didn't think he was very complete as an inside runner or as a route runner and pass catcher, you know, down the field in the intermediate areas. But you know, his performance against the Buffalo Bills really showed some development as a, as a receiver. And um, he caught four passes for, I think, 43 yards. But it was how he looked at the catch point that really popped for me. Very comfortable. There was one pass in particular where he was in a crowd with three guys relatively close to him, and he just elevated for the football. And, and really just kind of plucked it and went up and got it. And that's not something I really saw from Curtis Samuel. And you think about this Panthers offense, and, and I think Cam's got some toys. Not, now, he doesn't have a Julio Jones or an A.J. Green, but there's 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 Devin Funches. There's Torrey Smith. There's D.J. Moore. There's Jairus Wright, who I think they like a lot, who's going to get some opportunities. And you still have Curtis Samuel. And so, you know, if he can – be a viable player that can challenge defenses in so many different ways, including winning in the intermediate and deeper portions of the field with ball skills and hands, that's going to make that Carolina Panthers all the more dangerous and I really like the growth that I've seen. Now, the challenge for Samuel, staying healthy. It's been a problem. But if he can, he's a dynamic weapon for this offense. They don't have Kellen Benjamin, though. Yeah, they don't, and that <laughs> that seems to work well for them, right? The Panthers' record when when he's not yeah. in the lineup, Cam just you know that Cam's offense, an MVP He's the MVP, the, the number one scoring offense in the NFL. You know, all, all of a sudden, who's that off? Uh, who's their offensive coordinator? He's now with uh, Shula. Mike yeah. Shula looks yeah. like a million bucks. Yep. Now he's fired. You know, look, yeah, I, Calvin Benjamin, he's he's the new Cordy Glenn on this show, isn't he? Yeah, he's oh. going to be the whipping boy for me. Okay, just because right. I soft. Yeah, he's. You won't be saying that when he
1: dominates the Dolphins at the end of December. There, the man wants to act tough, and then Cam goes up and shakes (sighs) it. Goes offers his hand, and Kelvin doesn't shake it, and then tries to squirm away from the conversation.
0: I'm not defending. You want to
1: act like a hard man when you're talking to the media, and then you got a guy face to face, and you can't even. Yeah, tuck your tail between your legs, go hide somewhere else, KB. I'm not buying it. Speaking of the catch point, though. Auden Tate, Cincinnati Bengals, one catch, 33 yards, and a tutty in a really strong showing. Uh, We've seen some training camp highlights of Auden Tate. Oh, Nelly, this might be a brand win here if he (laughs) ends up sticking. Now, Auden Tate was a guy I liked. I think he was in in the back half of my top 10 wide receivers in this year's draft class. I think I had him eighth or ninth. And I had a a late day two, early day three grade on Auden Tate. And obviously the concern with Auden was – you can't run a 40 yard dash. Okay. That's mm-hmm. a problem. You know, you're playing on the outside, you know, the ability to have some speed elements to your game is, is instrumental to being able to, to create separation. In a lot of instances, but on Tate was never a separation player on Tate's that guy that will put you on a poster and maybe his catch conversion rate is a little bit lower than some of the more natural separating route runners in the class. But by and large, you know, on Tate was that guy that, that has a guy on his hip, and he's just so big, and his kid, it's almost like a tight end. So let's put him on uh, the Ricky Seals-Jones plan. Kind of get him in the red zone, let him work vertically up the field, but do it in the, from a tight end alignment. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones was a wide receiver from Texas A&M that declared early for the draft, uh, went undrafted, and then caught like six touchdowns in four weeks at the end of last year for the Arizona Cardinals as a tight end. So Auden Tate, you know, you get him in the red zone. If you want to get him some size mismatch opportunities, you can do those some of those same things. But I think this is a player that should make this roster because he has contested catch belly. He will be a factor in the red zone. And you saw um, our boy Jeff Driscoll threw one up for him, and he just hit send it, and he put that ball up the left sideline, and Auden Tate went vertical, plucked the football away. It's exactly what he did at Florida State. You can watch, watch – Uh, I don't want to say the highlights, but if you took Auden Tate's 10 best plays from Florida State, Mm -hmm. probably six or seven of them were that mold of a reception with somebody in his general vicinity. So, player doing the same thing he did in college, in the preseason, and in training camp, and looking like he can be a factor. Uh, So, pleasantly surprised after how the draft went for Auden Tate to see him
0: gearing up and making some plays for the Bengals. And he's a player I like uh, quite a bit as well. So hopefully he takes the next step. Him and Tyler Boyd. I need them both in Cincinnati for my brand, Kyle. Uh, th- my next surprise standout is that every first-round rookie quarterback looked pretty good this weekend. <laughs> I mean, every one of them. Now, Baker was was the cream of the crop, number one overall pick. He was, he was exceptional, in my opinion, with the things he did in his first NFL action. But you look at them all. Sam Darnold, he was very methodical in how he worked the football. Not a lot of high – uh, not a lot of like you know super impressive throws, but he just kind of engineered the offense and kept them on schedule. Led the two minute offense there. Uh, thought he did well. Josh Allen did some really good things where you saw his special traits translate into plays on the field, extending some plays, making some rare window throws. Doing you know the best of Josh Allen was was on display. And then you look at Lamar, a lot more comfort. Than I thought he uh, he had in the in the Hall of Fame game and you know his his wheels were turning there with uh, with his touchdown run and uh, then you even think about Josh Rosen and his statistical line was terrible but you did a really nice piece on this for the Draft Network that kind of dug into you know why the box score didn't matter in that. In that situation, because if you watch every one of Josh Rosen's throws from that game, you know, he did some really good things in terms of moving within the pocket, his accuracy. There were some drop passes. There was pressure quick in his face. But I didn't have any problems with anything that Josh Rosen did in that game. And so, you know, look, the statistics or or history is going to tell us that all five of these guys are not going to be good quarterbacks. That's, that, that's just not going to be the case. I did a piece on that uh, this past uh, winter on, you know, I basically the, the title of the article was your first-round quarterback is likely to be a bust, and just the numbers don't say that all five are going to be good. But for one week, for their debut, I didn't have a problem with any one of their performances and actually thought they all popped in their own individual way.
1: Yeah, I think there's reason for enthusiasm. Uh, statistically speaking, Rosen was the worst, worst one. Rosen got lit up that offensive line gave him the exact same experience. of what UCLA did (laughs) and, um, that work experience came in quite handy. Uh, Lamar Jackson using his legs. Uh, Tanzel smart is probably still shaking somewhere in a corner thinking about the opportunity he had to tackle Lamar Jackson in the open field. And Lamar promptly dropped the man to a knee, trying to, trying to tackle him in the open field. Uh, So really impressive stuff, even from the guys that, from a passing numbers perspective, Joe, as you said, uh, maybe didn't put big numbers on the field. There's big potential from all these guys on the field. And with that in mind, we'd like to thank you guys for tuning into the Draft Dudes podcast, courtesy of the Locked On Network and the Draft Network. Joe mentioned this about midway through the show, but today is just full stock and barrel at the Draft Network. We've got a ton of of stuff, John Legend's mock draft is dropping. My weekly column, studs and duds, hits on five or six topics across the spectrum of football. Joe Marino's piece on what the Saints need from Marcus Davenport to justify the trade and the high investment in him uh, just went live this morning. So we that's scratching the surface. Plus, we had some good stuff over the weekend. We'd highly encourage you guys to swing over check it out. If you enjoyed the show you like to take a little ride with us throughout the 2018 college football season, NFL season, hit that subscribe button, leave us a little review and uh, let us know what you think of how we're doing and things you'd like to hear on the show. We are more than receptive to our consumer feedback. We love hearing from you guys. You can reach Joe. He's on Twitter at the Joe Marino. I'm on Twitter. I'm at grinding the tape Kyle crab signing off with Joe Marino. Thank you for listening to the draft dudes podcast.